team. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for joining us in person and online to celebrate Christmas Eve together. Before we get into my short message, um, I want to make sure that everyone has a candle. So some of you came in and maybe you didn't have candles. And we have somebody who's going to, if you just raise your hand, we can get you all candles right away. So after the message is done, they're going to be coming in a second. So just keep your hands down for a second. I'll tell you when to raise your hands. Um, Because once they're in here to distribute, all right, go ahead, raise your hands. They're back in here. So raise your hand if you need a candle. I think there's also some for kids that are battery operated or adults, if you don't trust yourself um, with fire, you can also get a battery operated candle. So so feel free. Just keep your hands up if you need them. We want to make sure that everyone has one for afterwards. We will instruct you what to do with the candles once we get to that point, so don't feel like you need to pull out a lighter or something. We'll, we'll, we'll get you sorted out on that side, too. So I'm so glad that you've chosen to take some time out of your busy life around the holidays to be with us on Christmas Eve, and we're here to celebrate Jesus For some reason, I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older, the years feel like they're moving faster. I don't know if you've ever heard this, that your age is your speed limit, that whatever age you are, that's kind of the pace you're going through life. So as you get older, it feels like life just keeps going faster and faster and faster. And in the last few weeks, I've had conversations with people who've talked about how quick life is moving. And when in reality... Life is not moving at a different pace. Time is a constant. It's moving at the same time all along, but it's the the pace of life that we're moving at and how we're moving through life, which makes us feel like it might be going either faster or slower. For most of my teen years, I was pretty directionless. And I often look back and I talk in these terms of time. And we use terms of time in a lot of things that we say. I've used terms like, I've wasted time. I wish I could have time back. Or if you've lost a loved one, you might say a term like, man, I just wish I had some more time with this person that is now gone. There's also periods in my life where maybe you've said things like, well, now's not a good time. It's not the right time. Come back at a different time. And all of these statements point towards this intricate balance and dance that we have with time. So how do you feel about time right now? How is life in your connection to time? Is time slipping away? Are you making the most of time, the least of time, losing time? And then we enter into this timeless story. And this timeless story is where God enters into time from eternity. And in Galatians 4, 4 to 5, we read, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. This verse is written by the Apostle Paul to a church in the Roman Empire, and he writes about how the right time came. 
Another translation says the fullness of time, or you could say time was pregnant. And this idea is that it's a jar that's overflowing, or you can actually use this fullness term like a patch on a piece of cloth that completely covers that patch. Or this same term is used of Jesus when it says that in the fullness, in Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead lives in bodily form. And there's this idea that Paul's communicating that time was pregnant, time was right for Jesus to enter in. I've traveled around the world, and in many places, people are time orientated, and other people are event orientated. If you go to some countries, the trains come on time. Flights take off on time. And I like those schedules. Nobody likes getting delayed in an airport. Last Christmas, my flights were delayed and canceled, and we ended up driving from here to Texas instead of flying. That's never a great time. But it's easy with time orientation. We get frustrated when Time doesn't work the way we want it. Things don't go the way that planned. But in event-oriented culture, time's more fluid. It kind of works that when people arrive, when everybody is here, like all of you are here now, now is the right time. And there's something beautiful about both. And I believe God is speaking into this both and saying that the right characters were in place, the right people were placed, but all of time was culminating in this moment when the Christ child was going to be born. And what made this the right time? Oftentimes we look at the right time as the perfect time or the easy time or the not complex time but that's not true of Jesus' birth. He was born into a complex, difficult, challenging time, but it was still the right time. In that culture at the time, he was born into a strict religious culture. And in this culture, to be born outside of wedlock could cause the mom's death. And Mary has an angelic appearance as we just read a little while ago. Imagine her between 14 to 16 years old. An angel appears to her and says, you are going to be pregnant supernaturally and give birth to God. How would you feel as a 14-year-old? I asked my daughter, who is 16 up here about that, and she's like, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, uh-uh. Don't have anything to do with that story. But how would you feel at 14 or 16? And here is this virgin responding to the supernatural work of God. And here's what she says in Luke 1.38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. What a response from a teenage girl to the work of God. And this is part of what made it the right time. There was the right person to bear the Christ child. And Mary's response was counterculture, and it was even a challenge to that culture of the time. She knew what was going to happen. 
Nobody was going to believe her story to begin with. Virgin birth, mm-hmm. We see what happened here. But again and again, as we read about Mary, we see this other statement that comes to light too. It says, and Mary treasured all these things in her heart. Even with these challenges of the timing and what God was doing, she held these moments as precious treasures. And then you have Joseph. Joseph is engaged to Mary, and when he, when he finds out what's going on, he wants to divorce her quietly, but he has an angelic appearance too. And the angel says, no, 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 what's happening is actually from God. She's telling the truth. And Joseph sticks with her, supports her in the purposes of God, even though that both of them would now be ostracized by society. Think about how many conversations would be had as they walked by. Oh, those two aren't married yet. She's looking a little pregnant. And in that culture of that time, it was much different than ours. They knew the reality they would face and they embraced it. They were the right people at the right time. And how about the place that Mary and Joseph were in? The nation of Israel had not been an independent country for over 500 years, and at that time it was still occupied by the Romans. And the reason they were going to Bethlehem was because the occupiers, the Romans, had said, you need to go pay tax to us, so go back to your town of origin so we can register you, so we can extract taxes from you. So here we are, two people traveling a long distance to go back to the town of Bethlehem that's overflowing with people who are there to, to go for a census. There's no room for them in any home, any inn, so they end up in a barn or a stable. Some think that it was a cave they were in. Others think it was a lower level of a house. Either way, God is born in a barn. If I was God, would I choose my entrance into this world, into a barn? Why wouldn't he choose an ornate palace, luxuries, all the, all the, the pomp of the day could have been at God's disposal to welcome the birth of God? And he chose a small village in a barn for God to enter this world. Surrounded by his creation, those earthy smells, if you know what I mean. But it wasn't an accident. It wasn't the wrong time. It was the right time in the right place with the right people for God to enter. The king of the universe, God in flesh, born in a barn. Not long after his birth, some wise men come and they arrive from the east. They were more than likely astrologers. They were not Jews. And some think they were in the lineage of Daniel who had been led away into captivity many years before. These wise men had seen a star and they traveled over 700 miles to go and find this Christ child who had been born. They think that it probably took about four months for them to travel to see this baby. And they come bearing gifts, 
gold for a king, frankincense for worship, myrrh as anointing for one they know one day was going to die. These gifts both provided for the needs of Jesus, but also were symbols of all the different things that Jesus was going to do. The right people, the right time, and even the skies were proclaiming something supernaturally was happening. And people outside the kingdom of God were traveling in. Then you have King Herod, who was the king of the occupiers in that area, a jealous king. And after hearing that a king had been born in his kingdom, sends mercenaries to Bethlehem who kill all of the children under two years old. But before the life of Jesus could be taken, Joseph and Mary are warned in a dream and they flee to Egypt. And for the next two years, Jesus is a refugee in a foreign land with a king in the land of his birth who is wanting to destroy him. But think of this. Think of all the families that lost loved ones, babies, because of the birth of Jesus. That was not God's intention. That was was the jealousy and rage of a jealous, angry, power-hungry king that cost all those children their lives. And all this happened in a three-year window. The boys basically just getting started, but God had decided it was the right time, the right place, the right people for him to enter into the world. It was the right time, but it was a messy time. And we can sanitize the Christmas story. We can put it on nice postcards and make it a beautiful picture like that. But the reality is it was messy. And God entered a mess. There is no perfect time. There's no perfect time to get married. There's no perfect time to have kids. There's no perfect time to get sick. There's no perfect time to get in a car accident. There's no perfect time to lose a loved one. But at those times and in the midst of the mess, God wants to speak and enter your mess if you allow him in. And so I don't know what you are facing here in this Christmas season But I know you have made the time to be here and it is the right time for you to hear what is happening right now. You're not here by accident, but God has brought you here even maybe an annoying invitation from a relative or a force from the parents to come and say, you're gonna be here tonight at least to hear this. But God can take all of the reasons and all of the, the questions, all of why we gathered here. And in the midst of this moment, he makes it the right time. And 2,000 years later, God is still entering into the mess and he wants to enter into your mess and give you overflowing hope. He wants to put the broken pieces back together, the broken piece, P-E-A-C-E, back together. He wants to you to choose joy and remind you that love has a name. Those are all the messages we just did over the last month. 
that God is in the midst of what we're facing and he is inviting you in to his purposes. It's not an accident you are here. It's not an accident the difficulties you have faced. It is not an accident and you are here for a purpose. And I believe that purpose is for God's light to shine into your darkness. It says in Matthew 4, 16, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. This was a prophecy about the coming of Jesus, that he was coming to bring light in the midst of darkness. And I just imagine the wise men following this light in the midst of darkness. We always think that the wise men had an easy journey, but I imagine every night they'd look up into the stars and go, we need to follow that light to where hope will be found, love will be found. Imagine four months on the road following a light, not knowing what you were gonna find at the end, but knowing that there was something incredible at the other end of this journey. And I believe that if we look to Jesus and to the light found in him, we will find a purpose even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of our struggle, even in the midst of our loss and our heartache, we will find light. And just like the wise men saw that light, my hope is that you will find the light of Christ during this holiday season. It is the right time. 2,000 years ago is the right time, and in these moments, I believe it's the right time for you to find what Christ offers to you. It's simply a matter of you opening yourself up to him.